In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. The last I checked, according to the thing of all answers in the world, the internet, there are some 4,200 plus religions in the world. 4,200 different religions across the entire world. So what brought you here today? Why are you here, not only as a Lutheran, but also as a Christian, when there are over 4,200 different religions in the world? You'll notice something about these religions if you actually sit down and kind of study them. There is usually some sort of divine being or beings. There is usually some sort of force or energy, and there is usually a set of rules that you have to follow. A set of rules that if you follow them, you might actually attain being with God or the gods, or actually becoming like God. And in all of these world religions, almost all of them, you will see some depiction of God or the gods looking like a human being. Maybe it's a human being with the nose and trunk of an elephant. Maybe it's a woman with seven arms. Maybe it's that pudgy little Buddha that you see at that lovely Chinese restaurant that you love to frequent all the time. All, almost all of these religions like to relate to you somehow, some way, that their religion is about humanity, some sort of form of human, some sort of form of creature. And Christianity does that as well. We focus on Jesus, who is true God and true man. So why are you here today? What has made you a Lutheran? What has made you a Christian? I woke up this morning, and to be honest, I didn't want to be here today. I was having a lovely time with my head on my pillow. I actually slept well. I have a backache, I have a headache this morning. I didn't really want to get up here in the midst of all the fog. We found water in the lower part of our house this morning. I'd really rather not be here today. But this is my job, this is my obligation. See, I feel the same way maybe you do sometimes. But the reality is, is that you are here today not because of your own will, not because this is always what you've done, not because this is always where you've attended and the traditions and the customs and the long-storied history here. You are here today because of God the Holy Spirit. He woke me up this morning. He said, get your lazy bones out of bed drive in the fog and come here today. Now, to be honest, he didn't say all of that in my head, just like he didn't say those things with you today either, but you are here in and amidst of 4,200 plus religions of the world. But there is one thing I truly feel that Christianity speaks about far and above all of these other religions. It's actually, I think, one of the few distinctions that really sets us apart. 
Yes, there are commandments by God. There are rules that we are to live by. Yes, there are scriptures given to us that we hear about. Yes, there have been teachers and so forth that have taught us the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. And yes, we believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you haven't seen the Father, have you? You haven't seen the Holy Spirit, have you? You haven't seen Jesus. But the one thing that you'll notice in all of Holy Scripture is is that God becomes one of us. This is not today about you trying to become God, trying to become divine, trying to reach for the stars and find your inner peace. I don't have inner peace most of the time. Maybe you don't either. This is not about what you're going to do to climb the high mountain of knowledge and introversion into yourself, introspection, trying to meditate, trying to focus and become divine. You can't, and neither can I. We have a hard enough time, like me at times, sleeping at night, finding peace, finding rest. Why? Because there's so much noise going on around us. There's so much hustle and bustle, so many things that are going wrong. So much violence, so, much thing, so many things that are going on in our cities, so much tearing ourselves apart, so much slandering each other either on the internet or in person, so much of tearing down humanity and putting it to death. And in the midst of all of that, you live. Not only do you live amongst the 4,200 plus religions, You live in a world full of darkness, chaos, and death. And I want you to remember this today if you remember anything else from what I'm blabbing about here today. Christianity speaks about God becoming one of us. Two eyes, two ears, a nose, and a mouth. I know, I've said this before. But it's something that we overlook so much. The creator becomes the created. He walks. He weeps. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He feels pain. He sheds blood. He deals with the riffraff of society and the clergy that are abusing their people. He deals with lovers of money and tax collectors. He deals with people caught up in adultery and prostitution. But he does not come along and say, I'm the son of God. Try to be like me. Try to follow my example. Try to be holy and pure like me. And maybe, just maybe, if you can do this, you'll become one. You'll become saved with me. All of this happens in this world that if you haven't noticed is busted and broken and falling apart. We are not on the path to better things, better enlightenment, better civilization. We in fact are going the wrong way. And I think you would agree with it, wouldn't you? Many, many changes, many shocking things that we see in the news, and in our cities taking place, many things that give us a chance, many chances 
to throw up our arms and say, what in the world's going on here? We can't find peace in our communities, let alone trying to sit down and find peace in our homes. And Jesus comes, true God and true man, and he immerses himself in the messes that you have made of your life and the messes that I have made of my life. He immerses himself in our sins, my sin and your sin, in our cutting down of each other, in my speaking ill of each other, in our neglect of God and his word and praying. And he comes, as he says, yes, in one of those famous needlepoint passages, to seek and to save that which is lost. But how many times have you looked at our communities and the people around you and said, they're the lost, they're the ones not living right, they're not the ones that are right with God, whereas God in his law says to you, look in the mirror, look and see yourself. If we say we have no sin, you lie to yourself. And then you also lie to God. You make him out to be a liar from what he has said. And in our sins, we are hostile to God. We are at enmity toward God. It's not just that, well, you have your beliefs and I have my beliefs and we can just all get along. Literally, as Christians, we say that if you're not a Christian, you are an enemy and you are violent toward him. And you might say, well, I I don't know if I'd quite go that far, Pastor, but that's what Holy Scripture says of us. 4,200 different religions. Why are you here today? The beauty about Christianity is really very simple. God becoming one of us to seek us out, to become sin for us, to take on all of our fears, our shame, and our guilt, to take them onto himself and to lead us out of the valley of the shadow of death and into his eternal radiance, joy, and everlasting life. He becomes one of us. He endures everything, even temptation, without sin, and yet he knows as well how much you face. And the last thing that you need is another God saying, try harder, do better, start over again and again and again, and maybe you will attain it. Jesus comes today to say, I have overcome sin, I have overcome death, I have overcome all things, including you, to seek you out and to love and to save you. What in the world's this got to do with the transfiguration, pastor? Well, the transfiguration is a very important part in Jesus' life. But it's not the goal. It's not the focus. It's not how we can ultimately relate to God. The transfiguration is one of these one-off moments in the life of Jesus where Jesus reveals to you and to me that he's not quite like you and me. He's up on the mountain with his disciples, Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, and he is radiant 
with light and glory. There is light, there is glory, there is clouds, and whenever you see those things, you know that God is at work, particularly when it's on mountains. Peter, James, and John see this, and all of a sudden they realize this human being that they're following is not quite like us. I mean, there might be a little radiance here today because I didn't powder my head under these lights. But it's nothing like this. Dazzling glory, beautiful clouds, and Peter sits there today and says, I want to capture this religion. I want to capture this so that we can sit with Moses and Elijah and Jesus and have our own little religion up here on the mountaintop. And I love what happens here today because Peter steps in it. As soon as Peter starts coming up with his own man-made religion and his own ideas, a voice from heaven thunders down. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Those last three words are so very important. Christianity is all about listening. Are you listening today? Maybe, maybe not. I get it. But nonetheless, God speaks to us over and over again. And yes, other religions speak about their writings and their books and everything else like this, but Christianity speaks about God becoming one of us for you and for your salvation. This is not you trying to attain a specific goal. This is God coming down to bring that which is dead in our sins back to life. I can't recreate the transfiguration moment for you today, but so many churches like to kind of do that. They puff people up with lights and lasers, pyrotechnics. Can you feel the spirit of God here today? When I woke up this morning, eh, no way, don't feel it. Sorry. You might walk out of here today thinking, what in the world was he saying? I don't get it. And that's fine. That's why we do the liturgy. That's why we have the sacrament. You'll always be fed, no matter what the bumbling fool up here says. Jesus has come to you this day, and in his transfiguration, we truly do have an epiphany that he is not only truly man, one of us, but we have this tiny little glimpse that he is also God. But you'll notice that there are not multiple transfigurations in the scripture. It's not a weekly or a monthly thing where Jesus brings other disciples and other people up onto the mountaintop. Jesus brings these three men up there. He speaks to Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, basically the Old Testament guys that are really important. And he speaks with those men about what he has come to do. And I think there is an absolutely amazing connection that we can make here today. You heard just a few weeks ago 
where God tells Moses, no man may look upon me and live. Peter, James, and John see the glorious transfigured Christ, and they live. They live in the presence of the glorious glory of God, the light, the cloud, the smoke, the voice. Yes, they're terrified. Yes, they're afraid, just like you and I would be. But you'll also notice in the midst of their fears, their thoughts, that they are surely toast in the midst of all of these things that they can't explain, that moment of the transfiguration stops. And in the midst of their fear, there is Jesus. Not with a radiating face, but looking just like you and me. And he doesn't say to the disciples, bet you weren't expecting that. Or if you just try and pray hard enough, you too can become like this. What does he say? Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. That's why you are here today. Not because I said so, but because scripture has said so. Not only has God become one of us to dwell amongst us, to take on flesh, take on all of our sorrow, our shame, and our guilt, but in the midst of all of the violence and tragedy and broken and busted and terrible things, Jesus looks at you today and he reveals himself through the hearing of God's word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. We just said it a few moments ago over and over again. This is the word of the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise to you, O Christ. We are literally saying that God has come to you this day to speak words of peace and forgiveness, death and resurrection into your ears. It's not about what you have to attain. It's not about you climbing up the hill or meditating or anything else. It's about Jesus coming today to speak over and over again that where he is, you will be also. That where he is, yes, like the book of Revelation talks about, he will be radiating with all the glory and light and might of God, and you will behold his face and not another. You will be taken to that place where you will hunger no more, neither thirst anymore, and the sun will not give you any scorching heat like summertime in Arkansas. You will dwell in that place where there are living waters, and you will dwell with all of the saints and the loved ones who've gone on before you. But even more so, apart from all of the 4,200 religions in the world, Christianity takes it one step further, and it promises you the resurrection of all flesh. What does that mean? You don't go to heaven to live on a cloud underneath that tree full of donuts. You don't go to heaven as the final answer. 
He will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead because his kingdom has no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. On the last day, Christianity above all other religions says that on the last day, you will be resurrected in the flesh. Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, two ears, just like God intended it to be but not grumpy because of not sleeping, not with a bad back or a headache or all of the other things of the world. Resurrected with the perfect body, resurrected in his light and his glory, and resurrected to be reunited with everyone else who's gone on before you. This truly is the epiphany of epiphanies, and it's no small thing. But take heart and receive what Christ has given to you this day above all things, not a set of laws or commandments, but the true manifestation and meaning of life applied to you because Jesus, true God, yet true man, has come to win you back to his Father. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.